cost drifted alarmingly in the betting was, you know, fancy in the morning continued to drift. It was late on the on the exchanges to, to lose. It was something you'd see in a, in a Dick Francis novel, Charles Bottoms. Ground is soft, it's not... It's oh, not, it's heavy. Soft on time. It's heavy. Okay. Hello, and a warm welcome to the Bastards Inquiry Sunday Sermon. My name's Lee Keys of systembet.co.uk, and with me tonight to discuss the hot topics of the week, the Haydock Betfair Chase meeting and other events uh, that are very topical, and your questions, is uh, my good friend and partner in crime, John Leng of John Joe's Blogspot. Good evening, John. Good evening, Lee. Yes. Hopefully, we'll uh, get uh, all the topics out of the way and uh, in uh, humorous and uh, statistical uh, tune, as, as we normally do. We, we, we certainly do our best to entertain. And we're going to start off with uh, yesterday's racing, which obviously ended up with a very impressive Betfair Chase winner. But before that, Quentin Franks, what a machine. The man's a machine, John. And um, he's, he's he's running away with our Barstures naps table, which you can see on barstures.co.uk. I think he's something in the region of uh, 180% up on investment. And um, he's knocked the uh, Ginger Hitler firmly off top spot and uh, sent him straight back to his Berlin bunker. What do you make of, it, of Quentin Franks, John? Yeah, incredibly good. Um, yeah. You know, you can't you can't knock that performance at all. Um especially the fact that he sent him the back to the bunker. Fantastic. <laughs> only, only only thing I'm gonna take exception with. I mean we do we do read our feedback and comments. And um there was someone on YouTube that said um he was like Lord in Quentin. Lord Quentin, oh brilliant, amazing, this and that. And he says made up for those terrible national hunt tips. I mean, this is a tough crowd. <laughs> A tough crowd. I mean, I mean, I mean, you finished in profit by by courtesy of Tommy's Oscar five to one, um, and then you got the each way bet up in the the Bastard Special, the uh, uh, the bells bells doings bells. Yeah, um, and I wiped my nose with a with an eleven to two double. Uh, the, the the obvious. Uh, to a Plutard and Strictly a Dancer, and, and he described the National Hunt tips as terrible. I mean, this is a tough audience. Um, yeah, <laughs> anyway, yeah, but, but thanks for your feedback on on as well. We, we do appreciate good and bad. We don't mind. We can take it on the chin. We've got rhinoceros skin. We don't care. Say what you want. Call us idiots. Um, anyway, we'll move on to the racing. And Yesterday saw a very impressive performance in the Betfair chase, uh, one which certainly made inroads into the Gold Cup betting. John knocked in from seven to one into I think a best price four to one for the Gold Cup. A Plutard just absolutely demolishing his rivals in what can only be described as very impressive fashion. It was a terrific performance, really, wasn't it? I mean. Uh... All right. I mean, we, we were pretty certain beforehand that it'd be quick for Bristol to May anyway. But um, to see Blackmore taking a pull to out, she didn't get there too soon. I mean, kind of looked in a bit fair chase, isn't it? Because there tends to be a bit additional because they're in there. 
they're always running a fair old clip and whatever's won, you know what I mean? It's like car even, you know what I mean? They've tended to be getting tired of and I mean, that one looked as though it could have gone around again. It was a performance very hard to pick holes in, really. Indeed. And I mean, what do you think to the price for the Gold Cup? Do you think it's an overreaction on what it's actually be? Or do you think that, I mean, I mean, from my point of view, John, looking at the times at Haydock yesterday, the, the good old clerk of the course has, has, has put a big 12-foot shaft right up everyone's, um, you know, rear pipes. I mean, I, the, the times were just ludicrously quick. And, you know, is, is, is that, I don't know, obviously we, we did comment in this on this on the show on Friday where we said Bristol Demai, Royal Pagai, you know, the heavy ground suit monsters, it's just not going to be their day uh, for the ground. Uh, do, do, do you agree with that? Well, possibly not, but... Um... There was a school that thought that said the blow dad didn't want it quick, quick. You know. Yeah, no, 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 no. And uh, as I said, I mean, it's for the one for the Gold Cup. And you look at it from a punting point of view and think, hmm, you know. Uh, but I certainly wouldn't want to be late. It's at the sevens it was before that. No, fair comment. That, that's that's about where I'm at. I think I think they've got it about right at four to one. I, th- I think that that really does, um, you know, just just sums it up to me about right. I think I think that's where I'd be around seven to two, four to one, um, at this moment in time. It was a performance that will take some topping, I think, this season, uh, and on the run up to the Gold Cup. I, I think you'll struggle to see such a such a demolition um, of, of of a field of that ilk in the way that that it was between now and uh, and the festival. Yeah, I, th- I think the key to the the Gold Cup bet will be at Kempton on Boxing Day, actually, even though it's not what I'd consider much of a, a trial for the Gold Cup, really. I mean, no, no. The other way around on a fiat track. So, you know, you can even get one that barely gets three mile winning it. But I think the thing is, if uh, if the pound shop Christopher Lay's other one that won the Gold Cup last year, it sort of turns up at Kempton and one impressively, that would probably among the pigeons but yeah. other, other than that I'd be really struggling casting around to find something to put up against that thing yesterday yeah Ellen Sheridan agrees she says the Irish rip is a new one hand it on a plate to us and serve it with a can of whoop ass she's not wrong because if you look at the gold cup betting I think I think barring Chantry House I think the the best price we've got in to win a gold cup is about a 33s perk so the Irish are clearly dominating the Gold Cup scene at the moment, and um, that certainly did very little to, to dissuade that point of view, I think. Um, on to the other racing at Haydock uh, yesterday, and we started off with, uh, obviously, it was well, we did, we started off with your nice bet, Tommy's Oscar, and that did it, did it really nicely. Moving on to the graduation chase, the Brave Man's Game uh, did exactly what it said on the tin, and uh, jump jump well, superbly well, just like he did at Newton Abbott. Um, stretch clear, quite impressive. As some people have made noises in certain corners saying that Bob Ollinger's nothing to worry about. But comparing the two yesterday, I thought Bob Ollinger, 
did it absolutely ample, you know. And and to be honest, the Irish are masters at prepping them for the for for, for the festival. And it's not about winning a novice chase, you know, at, at Gowran Park. Um, it literally is, you know, get them ready for the day. And I thought, but Brave Man's game at this stage is a much slicker jumper, or or certainly has put in two two rounds of jumping that. That Bob Ollinger, so you know, was just nice and safe yesterday. He didn't 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 jump spectacular for me. Just just okay, getting over them. You know, nothing. I'd, I'd give Bob Ollinger a six six and a half out of ten for his jumping. Whereas Brave Man's game, I'm sort of eight eight and a half at the moment. What what's your thoughts on those two, John? Yeah, I'd agree entirely with that. Actually. I thought I thought Bob Ollinger was fine jumping, apart from. A couple of fences where he he tried to quicken into the fences a little bit, and uh, I, would, I wouldn't say the horse made any attempt to put down on him like that, often as hair is in as that. But he didn't look as hutchier as he might have done in, in that situation. Now it was his first run over fences, so you've got to make allowance for that as well. Um. I think it'll be wiser next time, but I, I would definitely agree that the state brave man's game looked an altogether slicker jumper. Yeah, you 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 you'd say on that 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 brave. I mean, I, I don't know the the plans for brave man's game. I've not looked in the quotes or the comments, but I would imagine if if it was typical Paul Nichols, maybe to run him in the Felton, the Cowto Star at Kempton on Boxing Day, be be an obvious next target. You'd think. In, in his in his his, his natural progression, uh, you know, would obviously take the beating round Kempton from the front as it always does. Kempton suits the front end, and a good jumper, the nearly impossible to peg back, as Desert Orchid often produce often often proved around there. Uh, so yeah, brave man's game. Uh, where do you stand on that, everyone? Do you, do you think that like Tony McCoy says that Bob Ollinger's nothing to fear? From Brave Man's game, I'm not so sure at this stage because I always felt Brave Man's game would be a better chaser, far better chaser, in fact, than a hurdler, given the shape he used to make his obstacles. And you know, as I said, it should, might be more interesting over fences these two than what it was over hurdles. When obviously Bob Ollinger was far too good at the festival for Brave Man's game. Then, then we move on to the 2:25. Uh, my two selections bombed out in this fifth and sixth. Uh, both not handling the track and the ground for me. The ground was was a lot quicker than I even envisaged. I, I did think it, you know the time was nearly four seconds quicker than standard uh, for a three mile handicap hurdle. Obviously a good quality one, but shouldn't be four seconds faster than standard in a national hunt season. And flight deck and right place, right time, who they absolutely hammered on the off into eleven to four favourite the Emmett Mullins runner. Um, I, again, we're not going to win from an early stage. I felt they were just on the niggle, struggling to keep up with the tempo. Your your Bass Rock, I thought had probably won the race. I was I was disappointed in him, John. In the end, I, I thought I thought he's won. I thought he's he's had a nice trip, jumped well. <laughs> Yeah, jumped lovely, good position. I, I was a bit disappointed with the finishing effort, to be honest. Well, I, I honestly thought he'd won. I honestly thought, uh, to probably just after the third last, I'm thinking, this, this has to win, really. Um, and I was sort of, obviously, I, I backed it myself as well. I had a three-way bet. And, um, yeah, it was licking my wounds, this race. But fair play to Don Levant with Isabel Williams d- d- dropping it out. But I do think, as I say, you can take these races with a pinch of salt as the season goes on because this was very quick ground um, for, for, a, for a national hunt, hunt, 
sort of a chase meeting, hurdles meeting, important day. You know, I've not seen grounders like this. You know, Cheltenham wasn't like this. And and uh, remarkably, they, they gave the going out as a good to soft, good in places, and they changed it to good on the hurdles course after race one. Well, with no inclement weather or no no significant, how can you just change it straight after race one? That he, means he, he needs to be tired, doesn't he? Even though his artery is over. Yeah, it, it's, it's it's ridiculous, really, when you, you're having a race run over three miles. Handicap hurdle, albeit a grade three and a decent one. Four seconds faster than standard. No wonder there was non-runners in the race. That, that was just unacceptable uh, from a clerk, I feel. Um, then we move on to, obviously, we've, we've covered a Plutard. Very impressive uh, in that. And then we uh, Strictly a Dancer winning the 335 from Empire Steel. Not really a lot to say there. Strictly a Dancer just proving that he's, he's ahead of the handicapper right now. Didn't jump as well as he did at, at, at Cheltenham last time, but still had enough in hand, plenty in hand, really, at the line. Uh, things probably get a little bit tougher for him now. Uh, mm. Yeah, And uh, Ascot, John, yesterday we, we, we had uh, lost in translation, uh, winning the uh, the Chanel Farmer, the Grade 2 event. One foot to snout. Oh, yeah, Tree Trunk Trotman, absolutely. Yeah, fair play, Tree Trunk. Uh, he, he came on, well, he didn't come on, we won't let him on the show, let him win five yards of the show. Terrible, terrible, terrible man. Lives lives in the potteries. Port Vale fan. Um, awful, Makes the ginger Hitler look like Sooty. Yes, yeah. Hor- horrible, horrible human being. Um, went on the chase and failed on the, the ITV game show. And uh, he, 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 he tipped up, lost in translation. You know, he'd had it, good, good word, good word from the yard. And it duly bolted up, like, you know, fair play. Did get the run of the race. We did say this on the show on Friday. We do hope that sometimes we give some decent pointers on our preview show. And we said the pace would be hot. It was. Uh, even though Pistol Whip didn't want to get involved with the front battle, Master, Master Tommy Tucker and Dashiell Drasher hammered it out right until the latter stages and then lost lost in translation, picked up the pieces. Master Tommy Tucker probably ran well in the face of, of obviously, the good pace set. I don't think this is King George winning form, John, do you? Yeah, I mean, definitely so. Well, I mean, that, that was rotten. I would, th- I would think Defidesur is, it's an enigma because it's probably it must, it must have a lot of problems and it's, it, it probably is, it's it, on that you would say it's wins knackered, would you not? Well, there was nothing, was there? Once he asked him, nothing. Um, no. You know, you just, you, you could not back there again until it showed something. Yeah. Not the answer. Yeah. Uh, and then the next race was the uh, the Coral Hurdle, uh, and that was won impressively, I felt, by Buzz. I was really taken by this, just visually. And I know it's not done any because if you if you take Guard Your Dreams as an example, and you say right, that's that's 145, it's probably ran its race. Guard Your Dreams, uh, Buzz has beat it six off level weights. You'd say that comes out at about 155, and that's what Buzz has rated. Now, that's well below uh, Honeysuckle and a champion hurdle rating. But there's something, it reminds me of Rooster Booster, this horse, you know, the, the way it does it, the way the way it just, you know, just disposes of them, like with the minimum of fuss, and, uh, but doesn't, only does enough, you know, just gets there and thinks, right, yeah, that's it. I, I've, I've done it. 
And uh, what do you think about Buzz as a champion hurdle contender? Mm, uh, possibly not. Um, no. I, th- I thought yesterday it never looked like getting bait. Um, I'd, I'd be surprised if he made the necessary jump to to beat the likes of Honey Suckle. Um, I'd say running fast assessing the champion maybe being on well up the hill. But, um, I mean, I mean that aside, it's not it's not even entered in the champion. It's entered in the stayers hurdle, John. Do you reckon that's a more viable? Yeah. Well, um, I, I wouldn't be particularly all fair with the stayers division to be honest. I think it'd be my realistic target for us to narrow it to be honest. Yeah. Uh, I mean, anyway, he's, he buzzes the horse. I think going places. I think now he's. He's able to win races that I don't think he'd have won a while back. I always used to think that he needed things going his going his way with good gallops and everything else, and and you know just be able to come through and, and win his race. But I just thought he just he, he's I think he's getting better, better and better. And I, and, I, and I wouldn't I wouldn't be opposing him in in more or less anything he runs in really. I wouldn't I wouldn't be taking him on. I think Buzz for now is he's one to keep on your side this side of this side of the. Will you still fancy Nico in a bigger field? Well, that's the problem, isn't it? Nico looks as bad as as ever I've seen, and and not ju- even on, even on the winning rides. Sometimes I, I think I think the I think the chap is suffering from whether it's, it's confidence. Some people say he's never had it, but yeah, he, he has. He, I just think there's, there's there's something there's something gone wrong with Nico. I don't know what it is. He's either just lost his plot bottle, whatever. Um, you know, maybe Popeyes had him in for a too many gin sessions. We don't know, do we? Uh, <laughs> we just don't know. Um, but yeah, like you say, it's not not. A, I mean, that, Catherine. That'd Bride, be my big issue because if if there was a big fail, I'd be terrified. I'm going to get another red like he did last year. Was it? Yeah. I, Catherine Fry, uh, you know, told me to watch my jockeys, and I do so more than ever now over the over the, the national hunt scene because he literally is. There's a, there's a huge amounts of differences in some of them. Oh, on, on, on that note, I mean, can can we just mention as well that Betfair chase yesterday? Old Blackmore just kept that nice and simple. She sat handy, moved to the front so out, and just never a bother. He yeah. took Brian Yeos on that waiting patiently. I mean, for the bulk of that horse's career, he spotted his main rivals 15 to 20 lengths from the, the get-go. I mean, looking to make ground up when races are getting serious and everything's trying to quit up. So he, he, he's looking to get closer in the toughest part of the race. They never learn these people. You know, I mean... She was the top jockey at Cheltenham, and she wasn't dropping nothing. She she rode everything more or less to the same path, you know. And I, I, I just think she's far and away better than anybody we've got in this country because they all start farting about and these ridiculous dropout dads. And it's, you, you know, you're just putting her at a disadvantage, I think. Yeah, I, 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 like you say, half of these races are won because waiting patiently doesn't know whether he's fourth or he's last. Yeah, you know, if he's got horses in front of him, he doesn't know what the hell is going on behind him. He has no comprehension of his position in 
there is. Nor do any of these so-called hold-up horses. And these yeah. exaggerated tactics will just make you puke half the time. Yeah. No, like you say, half, half of these races are won by by positional sense and 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 where to have your horse and get them in a rhythm and like I said, Rachel Blackmore just inspires confidence every time you see her, and and yeah, fair play. If she's on, it, you'll never have a bother about what she's going to do in the saddle. It never enters your head she might bollocks it up. No, agreed. Um, going on to just other things that obviously that. Obviously, this weekend affects the anti-purse markets. And uh, Jack, JCC punter on, on, on Twitter, he's fed up with the anti-purse markets. He says, given any time a horse puts in a half-decent performance, their price gets slashed for the festival. Is there much to gain any more from Cheltenham anti-purse punting, given the risk versus reward seems to be becoming less and less lucrative, John? The only thing you've got to gain is bragging right to your mates when you make a couple of points. <laughs> You can say the night before the festival, uh, look at this, I got 13 to 2 back in January, and look at the ads now, smoke back here, past. <laughs> and that, that's about all you've got to gain, and plenty to load. Um, mo- most of the races, I, I, I don't know, they just seem habitually short-ish anyway these days, you know what I mean? Nah, the... the there's no sweetener for me. I, I, I couldn't be getting involved really. There's there's two things for me uh, regarding anti purse that I can I can say for for certainty is the best way. Uh, Rich Silver mentioned about the way he does it, which was the season, you know more or less before everyone else's. So you so you're backing horses after last year's festival, or you, you you're basically playing. Well in advance before anyone else's, you know, when 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 an horse wins a, a nice novice hurdle, uh, they're asking for prices for the the, the next year's Arkle, etc. You know, before before I think that's the skill to try and get in before the horse in quite like, for example, Brave Man's Game at the start of the season, you're gonna you you're beating the price now, so you've got to get in at the very either at the very start, the very beginning, the before they've jumped the fence, they've been in public, anything else. Or you do the opposite, which is what I know a few people have started to do, is wait when the daft bookmakers, if you can get on, go non runner no bet in around January time. Now, obviously, the advantage with that are massive because because of the the way Cheltenham is now and the race has cut up, i.e., you know, the best mares can't race against each other because one will go for the two-and-a-half-miler, one will go for something else, one as, and one will go for the champion. So you, it, it because it's so diluted that... You end up with ridiculously uh, sort of reduced field sizes, and also you, the ones that you were priced up to initially beat. And because you're on non-run and no bet, so you get your money back if they do pull it out of that anyway. It's just an absolute no-brainer. So just literally either wait for it till. But betting now is stupid. You may as well wait for the non-run and no bet, or you may as well have gone in like Rich, you know, well in advance. And I think that that's the edge. Do you, do you agree with that? Entirely, yeah. Just common sense, common sense punting. I won't even bother now. I just, I just, I think it's a waste of time. Unless well, you see, I, I don't feel over the stick personally that I have enough of an edge. I, I don't feel I'm clued up enough to spot one. Yeah, you know, um, you know, I mean, maybe spot the odd one here and there, but I, 
and I, I, I don't have enough faith in my judgment over the sticks to really go to town on one end post like I would on the flat. I mean, it's, it's, it's fair and honest comment, John. I think that's why people like this show because, you know, we do, we do, we do say what we think, and like you said, myself and and yourself admit that we're just not quite as 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 tooled up on the national scene as we are on the flat. It's just how it is. You got to specialise in, in 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 what you do. Quentin Frank's the same. Our nap leader. He's um he blitzes the flat, um, but I probably admits himself that he doesn't put you know, that much work into the National Hunt game. So, we must up our game, according to the YouTube punter. We're terrible. He's right. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, we'll go on to another question from Ian Sears, which this this is, again, sort of related to the National Hunt scene. Uh, do you think the current dearth of runners over jumps is because trainers these days are risk-averse? I mean, it probably means, well, maybe meeting each other. Uh, like top horses, or has the breeding industry bred out the hardiness, versatility from the breed? What's your? I'd be interested in your thoughts on this, John. Well, the th- the thing with this, I think I think I think there's a, a few factors really. I think trainers probably are quite risk averse, and I think a lot of trainers are probably under pressure to get one to Cheltenham, and. The fact of the matter is, jump racing does break horses down. And I think if you've got one that you think's on a mark that's going to get into a race at Kelton, you'll think it's a workable mark. The temptation is to keep the bloody thing at all, keep it ticking over on the all weather or whatever, and just go to Cheltenham. Yeah, you know, maybe give it a bit of a pipe opener in February, early February. And hope it comes back in one place, and then Bob's your uncle. Um, I mean, there's still plenty of horses caught the horse in training sales at the end of the year, bought by people on behalf of national hunt trainers. And I mean, the top yards get plenty of horses coming to them at the start of a season. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm not aware that any any of the major stables numbers are down drastically. So. In theory, the horses are still there, but I do think we've probably got too much racing, and we, we we've had that problem for a while, I think, you know, and took too much choice for trainers as well. You know, if, if you've got a novice, you know, I mean, the, the stacks of novice hurdles, isn't there? You know, I mean, maybe we need less of them, so people's having to. Enter up and you know have, have races divided if necessary. I'd rather have that than the, the current situation. You know, I mean, yes, I think it's been on the ground as well. You know. I think I think I think it's a difficult one. This I, I did I did some stats on it in the last sort of five seasons to have a look. But you know, if runners were in decline, yeah. and this year's national hunt game so far since September. So I looked at September to the current time and did this for the last five years. We're averaging 8.8 runners a race this year. I think the best we've had over the last five years is about 10.3 runners per race. Mm. So we are suffering a bit, and I, and I would accept that the ground is something to do with that because on the years when it has been a little bit softer, um, did produce the 10.3 averages. But the, 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 the problem is we've got, 
with the Cheltenham Festival, uh, magic carrots aside, which we know are involved, I don't care what anyone says, mag- the Irish you are very adept at using magic carrots. It, it's just a fact. And, you know, it's been... And when people say, well, how is it a fact? Well, there's, there's, there's been drug cases galore in Ireland got done over the years. Just do your newspaper cuttings. As I said, there, there is in England, but... but I, the point is for me, the Irish love a winner at the festival. They they're better at planning races for the festival. I they don't mind if they have two or three coconuts. They don't mind if they have two or three spins or three or four spins. They they don't. They just don't, they've got a, they've got a plan and and they stick to it. We, we we seem to be obsessed in this country by one 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 one, mm. and and I, and I think that's a problem because then you get the Cheltenham. You've you've left your best. Uh, yeah. You know. Yeah. Earlier on in the season, and I, and I think if we're going to have this, oh, it's all about Cheltenham, then English trainers in particular have got to think. But then you, you're sacking off half the, and I, and I think this is part of it. This is why we're getting these nice races early national hunt season that tend to be very uncompetitive and very. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing worse than turning up at Cheltenham, is there? We're one that's say one three on the spin. And it, it's carrying eleven six in a two and a half mile handicap chase. You know, you'd be thinking, you'd be thinking, well, what the hell's he done here? You know, I mean, he could have been off ten five or something like that if he thought about it a bit. Yeah, yeah and you and and you've got to give seven pounds to say one uh, as, a, as a, just a, a random example, some a Gordon Elliott runner that's that's had four starts this national hunt season. First one nowhere, second one pulled up, next one third, last start won, but didn't yeah. win far. As if to say they've been building it up, building it up, building it up. Exactly. And and the real target is that two and a half mile race. So I think, but that's the problem for me. That the the Irish obviously <coughs> love love the meeting. That they, they they love to to have a Cheltenham Festival winner, and I think that's the difference. But we'd then have to forget about all our early season targets to compete we'd have to then say right well we're gonna to have to run them you know unfit in a tingle creek we're gonna to have to run them unfit in a in a yeah. game spirit we're gonna to have to run them and not be bothered and then yeah. that just devalues literally everything in the calendar what do national fans think to that because you know we just sat all season waiting for one meeting that's all we're doing we're just literally sat and it's it's promoted by broadcasters newspapers media outlets it's all about the festival and for me that's sad because that's probably why we're more flat is because on a flat season you you know you've got you've got so many top class group ones that that Trainers will train them for certain Group One events, yes, but it isn't all about one particular festival. You know, you'll train a horse for an Eclipse, you'll train a horse for a uh, for a Sussex, you'll train a horse, and, and so on and so on. And I just think it's so sad that we've got one festival that just rules everything. I won't say null and void, but no one remembers. You know, if you, everyone remembers Cheltenham Festival winners, no one remembers big handicap winners, say at Newbury or. Uh, and so on and so on. Everyone remembers the festival winners. Well. I don't know if that's sad or not. I don't know. What, what what do you think on that, John? Focus is definitely shifted. I mean, I could probably name five or six Hennessy winners from the 70s. Yeah. I, I don't think I could name the last three. Yeah, I know, I know what you mean. It's, it's, it's it, it becoming, like, other than when you get, like, a top-class horse winning a Hennessy, like Denman. You know, and 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 you you get some real quality horses in the lineup, which again we'll come on to the Hennessy now. We'll have a quick look at the Hennessy next week. 
which is obviously uh, a focal point in our early season calendar. And there's a horse that I like in there, John, uh, on the ropes, the Willie Mullins runner. Uh, won the Munster National at Limerick recently. But again, it's it's six to one favourite. Do I think you'll get six to one on the day? No, I don't. I think this is gonna gonna be about an eleven to four, three to one favourite. It's obviously a horse that's been difficult to keep sound, but was very impressive for me in the Munster National. Had a had a lot, lot left as if they've got this horse cherry ripe, savage order. And I did think he was an ideal type, a handy runner. You know, jumps well, you know, goes because I always think you want to be handy in Hennessy's because, you know, for you can in, in a big field, you can have a troubled trip, etc. So I was very keen on, on the ropes, but again, I'm not bouncing, but I don't think it's six to one currently. But if it's declared, you're not going to get six to one on the day, you're a million to get sixes. There were two others I liked, which were Copperhead for the resurgent Tizard team. Uh, oh, I, I, yeah, I thought that was unexposed at that price, and also. Um, you know, one one for the sort of uh, people that don't mind backing an exposed horse. Um, the one of the Twisters, John. Um, is it is it the fourth last year? Is it come on, Ginge or? The anyway, so, yeah, the, the Hollow Ginge. Yeah, um, he was he was fourth in the race last year for me in what was po- possibly a slightly better race than what we're likely to see this year. And and I thought that, and he's two pound lower, so I thought. Mm. And Twister's in better form this year, so I thought I think he's he's thirty threes or something or forties. I wouldn't be going that that daft prices about him. So I just thought they'd stand out. And you're going to want a good ground horse because looking at the Newbury weather this week, unless they turn the taps on, um, you've got no rain that I can for, see forecast right up until Thursday, definitely. So no rain there. Um, so you're going to want a good ground horse. Uh, what's your what, what's your take early take on the Henderson? Well, as I say, I'd rather like Copperhead. Um was on my list of horses to follow last year and uh, I thought I felt with massive credit, pulled up twice, Ripley and Noah. And to me, they never really had the arse right at all last year. Really not um, in the farm figures. The yard was under a massive cloud for me as well. Um, I actually wanted them to run this in the Badger Bay up in Canton. It presented at the four-day stage. I was, I was fairly keyed up to be all over it, actually. I was going to have a right good bet on it. I'll, I'll have to have something on it in this. Um, yeah. No, no, rightfully so. The Tizard team have turned a corner, so... If this comes, there's every every if 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 this was priced up on its Ascot win when it did it destroyed the Kim Bailey horse there uh, at Ascot. I think that's rated 150 odd now. Um, it destroyed it that day. Um, that that there's no way that can be the price it is. So you make a good good, good shout, John really. And also the, uh, the despite the ginger Hitler's protestations, if next destination. Manages to eat a full plate of breakfast next Friday. I'm going to see how in the pumpkin head will declare that and run it, I think. I think, I think, I think yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that, that, that could be a, a runner and a big player. So the Hennessy next week, we're back on Friday. Um, we haven't finished the show yet, but we, we, we will be covering fr- fr- uh, the, the Hennessy meeting and the uh, Fairy House Drinmore. Uh, bar one festival, the Drinmore, the the Hatton's Grace, Honeysuckle turns up 
next next week, I believe, and it, it should be great fair. There's me, John, Andy Richmond, and hopefully Catherine Fry. Uh, Catherine's extremely busy at the moment. That's the reason uh, for her uh, lack of appearances on the Bastards. I mean, uh, John's got plenty for her to do in the cellar. Needs a good clear out. So that's uh, that's where we're at with Catherine. And so don't forget to miss us on Friday. Um, before we move on to our next topic, uh, Aaron Rhodes has been on and he says, you two must be happy now the weather gods have made the national hunt season aching to bath in August. <laughs> uh, I won't be happy until the first episode of The Road to Doncaster. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, we're, we're, we're in the process of putting that together and I think that will be... Uh, a sign that uh, Mafekin is about to be relieved. Look, what, watch it, watch out, Ruby Walsh, Lydia Islop, Nick Lowe. That the road to Cheltenham will be nothing at the sides of mine and John's road to hashtag road to Doncaster. We'll get Quentin involved on that as well. So you got three amazing flat judges. Hashtag the road to Doncaster. That's where it's all at uh, on the bar stewards. Um, right, we're going to move on topics. And before we, we're going to come on to the whip debate. Uh, before that, the uh, just a terrific article to read from Lorne Malvo on the barstures.co.uk. If you haven't been on the barstures.co.uk, please take a take a look because there's some really interesting articles written, especially by John and Lorne Malvo at the moment. And Lorne Malvo highlights the pay the woman uh, episode on Thursday at Catterick, uh, where the horse drifted horrifically in the betting um, late on in a, in a, in a small novice handicap chase field and was pulled up at halfway. Definitely looked to be uh, an inside job, if you like, or, or nudge, nudge, wink, wink information. That one, it was absolutely horrendous. Never looked like winning after about two, two or three fences, never going. And and I think that needed more investigating than just the uh, BHA website, which said the horse has lost its action. Hmm. They certainly didn't lose their action when they were getting the cash down before the race, John. <laughs> it was unbelievable, wasn't it? You know, I mean, what was it, five to one on the machine? It was seven to four, seven to four all morning, and then someone came with a lump close to the off, fifteen hundred pounds to lay at six on yeah. Betfair. So you know yourself. Well, I mean, that's, he, he knew you know. it wasn't with it, didn't he? Well, that's it. You don't no when it's seven or four or more, no one sat there laying five to one, seven to four chances, um, pre off when you know now people can say, Well, it's not it might not have been a seven to four chance. Uh, that's that's opinion, I agree. But then you, you no, wouldn't it was wait never to, a five to one chance, though, was it? No, absolutely not. Um, so there you go. So something was amiss there. I did tweet under my personal account to Foxtrot Racing that owned the horse, and I did tweet under Bar Stewards to read uh, Lorne Malvo's article. Foxtrot Racing have yet to respond uh, to either tweet. I wasn't being uh, abusive or anything. I just asked the question: Is there anything wrong with the horse? Bloody boss. It, it's typical of racing, though, isn't it? People don't want to confront the biggest elephant in the room at any stage. Yeah. That's right. I mean, right. uh, all I can say is if I was Foxtrot Racing, I'd be perfectly happy to uh, anything about it, you know. I mean, anything that would come to light or, you, you know, if there was a problem with the horse, it wouldn't right when they got it home. You, you know, just, I, I
Well, I mean, the, the, steward, the stewards could have pressed that. They could have said, you know, lost action. We're not really happy with that. I mean, it's, it's you know, you, you've only got to look at the betting patterns and then, you know, with the excuse. Lost, lost action is the new made a noise, isn't it? Yeah. It's, yeah they you know, they, they used to come in, he made a noise, no, never had to go easy on him, you know, I didn't know what. And now oh, I lost his action, I thought it was going to fall over. Yeah. So keep your eyes on Pay the Woman. Uh, in future races this season, see what happens with that with that mare, and to see see if the market goes the other way uh, on another occasion, you might want to keep your close eyes on that one. Uh, John has also been very busy on the bar stewards recently, and he's also written a very good article on uh, the whip uh, episode, which I, ha- I confess I haven't read yet. But I've, I've skim looked at it and he's put some fantastic video footage. And this is our next topic now, the whip debate, where we, uh, a, a good listener of ours, John Hines, Mr. 101, attempted, uh, attended a, a Cheltenham racegoers meeting this, uh, in the last week or so. And he, he stated that uh, some of the jockeys, et cetera, on that panel, David Bass, et cetera, wouldn't be bothered um, if, uh, if, if a whip ban was, was sort of brought in. John, I mean, what's what's your what's your full stance on the whip? I mean, I will point uh, listeners to go to that article on barstures.co.uk. You really need to read it, um, as I will be doing so because I've already the plaudits are coming in for that. But what's your full stance on 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 this whip debate? Well, personally, I I, I think we need to keep the whip simply because you want the horse to put maximum effort in. And in some cases, as uncomfortable as that may sound for some people, there has to be a form of coercion. People pay a lot of money to keep horses in training. And if the horse, for want of a better phrase, is taking the piss, no amount of cuddles, kisses, sugar lumps, or anything else will get it to stop doing that. The working animals, and once in a while, they're asked for maximum effort. And they're asked for maximum effort home. We're quite mollycoddled at home. They're looked after better than a lot of humans. But on the race course, they will be asked for maximum effort. And that involves a form of coercion. Now, a lot of people and comfortable with that. Now, it's not my sport. I can't tell people to take up knitting or anything else. I mean, if I'm in the minority and the whip goes, so be it, you know. But I do think the point that needs to be addressed is an awful lot of horses will become very unsavoury statistics because they will get shot. And that's the big concern I have with all this getting rid of the whip, all the campaigners and everything, none of them are addressing the problem that will rear its ugly head with wastage. You know? Yeah. Um, I'll, I mean, I'll, give, I'll give an example. Um, some regular listeners might know I was very friendly with Mel Britton, uh, who used to train at Wart Hill. His son's taken over now. Um, Mel also had a little breeding operation at Northgate Lodge. And there was one year he sold four yearlings at Doncaster Sales. 
and I, I won't uh, go a lot um, because, you know, I mean, there's no nature names being bandied about. Anyway, he saw these four yearlings and he seen, he seen the trainer that bought all four actually um, in the February before the flat season started. And he said, how's them, well, there were two year olds back then. He said, how's them two year olds getting on? He said, yeah, I said, shot them. No good. Shot. So it happens. It's uncomfortable. It's wastage. It's awful. So on and so forth. But it will happen. As if horses are taking the piss, people won't put up with it. Not people that's paying the bills. The campaigners aren't paying anybody's bills. They're not offering to pay anybody's bills. And this is a business. And these are working animals. And that's my stance on it. But of course, as I say, I, I get the feeling I'm losing the argument. And I, I think we're, we're in danger of painting ourselves into a bit of a corner. I totally concur. I mean, the, the way I come from it is when, when I went to school, you know, I received the slipper and the cane. And we're talking nine, early 1980s. Mm. Um, and obviously, I know we're 40 years further on. But the point, the point remains that it, it was given as a deterrent to stop you being a, being a you know, a, a, a C word. And, you know, that, in a way, that stood me in good stead because that basically taught me right from wrong and what I should be doing and what I shouldn't be doing as words given by a teacher to tell me not to do it clearly didn't work. So the same is in horses of this day and age. They don't belong to our new politically politically correct era of doing everything by the book and being speaking in a correct language that doesn't offend or or you know uh, any anyone and these horses i've seen them in yards you get very difficult horses to handle you get some that that are absolute angels sweet sweet temperaments you get some that are absolute grade a bastards and the only way the only language that some of these these highly highly tuned thoroughbreds no, sometimes, you know, pardon the French, but they, some of them need a good hiding. Some of them get good hidings. Whether you like it or not, this goes on in racing. It has gone on in racing since, you know, trainers will have to give a horse a good hiding now and again to make it behave. Now, that might not be what animal rights and, and people that, that pat the dogs on the head at home want to hear, but these are working animals and they, they, bred, they bred for a certain purpose. And it's an un, like you said, John, it's an unpopular opinion, or it seems to be le- less and less popular these days to hear hear these kind of stories. And and you know, you see a, you see someone like that 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 uh, that uh, uh, equestrian lady that was uh, that that give that horse a smack round the chops and a, and a, a kick in the the, the, yeah. the chest, it's loaded in. Now I'm not I'm not agreeing with that because I don't, I don't know the context of it, I don't know the circumstances, I don't agree with it. It, it looked it looked poor. But I know for a fact that that trainers will give horses good hidings to make them understand what the routine is. I.e., you know, don't 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 shit in your food bowl, don't you know, and so on and so on. You know, the, 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 these these horses are don't don't bite everyone that comes in to 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 do to muck your stable out. Some just need an absolute calm down tablet. And 
this is the thing trying to explain to people outside the game how this works to get the finished article on track some people would be shocked sometimes how that gets there breaking them in etc um you know sometimes is not the, the the nice my little pony experience and so on and so on it's it's getting them to teach them to understand what what their job is and what the job is there to do these are highly tuned uh you know a lot of these horses can't be ridden very early on in the careers because you know they're too hot-headed the two you know that's the thing so i just think that the whip debates if you get no whip like you said john the wastage you are creating i.e who's going to buy a nathaniel out of a out of a staying out of a staying mare you know um it's like uh, well we don't want that because you know basically if that needs a, a couple of cracks to get going in a race well we, we can't so there's lots of breeds that will suffer that then you'll have to stop breeding. It has financial, financial implications across the industry. But again, the people that champion this and say, no, I don't like to see the whip. You shouldn't need to coerce a horse or give it a smack to make it run faster. But then it has, everything has implications. So it means changing our entire industry and there'll be massive implications for this. Um, are we ready so, for that? So many of the people that's in racing that have been vocal about this strike me as being massively hypocritical as well. I mean, there was no bigger supporter for banning the whip than John McCreary. Yeah. And for me, he abused his platform, the Channel 4, because he never missed a chance to say, we can no longer allow animals to be beaten in the name of sport. Mm. And in the next breath, he'd be championing hair coursing, which involved hairs being ripped to pieces in the name of sport. Yeah. Matt Prescott's gone on record as saying, horses that exceed the number of permitted straight could lose a race. You know, I mean, not a thought to the implications on the betting industry. You, you're back to winner. And then you have to watch the replay to make sure we had, only had six smacked and not seven to see if you're getting paid. People yeah. going to just start saying, well, I'll have a bet on the football. It's none of this bollocks. Well, well, that's it. And the other problem you've got for punters is we've already got an, an, an aesthetic problem of a jockey not trying and punters will complain saying, I don't think he put enough effort into that, to that race. But then if you've got no whips it's then a lot easier to just, <laughs> you know, well, you know there's, there's, there's no, the, the, we use the whip or uh, amount of cracks they get as, as how off they were, to, to be fair. You know, we actually we actually do generally in British racing, that's what we do. So I just think, again, it'll put more and more punters off because they'll think more and more non-triers that, oh, he didn't push that out, he didn't, he weren't bothered. Um, and I just, I just think, again, it, it's, there's, it's the implications of it. There's, it's a great idea. You know, it, it sounds good in practice. Yep, no, no, whip, fantastic. These horses don't deserve for a, for a coercive smack to run faster. I get it. I get the argument. But it's then, once you implement it, we're going down a dark path for me. And, there's, um, there's, there's one dissenting voice I, I can't for the life of me work out. And that is John Frankham, who is an advocate now for getting rid of the stick. And I mean, he'd have ridden me share of three three mile plus chases. 
that have needed driving into the last three fences and needed a crack to get them to take off. I mean, I yeah. would have thought him, surely, from a safety point of view, wouldn't want a jockey, say, for example, in the Idy Chase, coming down the street at Newcastle without the ability to give a horse a crack behind the saddle yeah. to get it to take. Because when they, I mean, long distance chasing finished if the whip goes for me, but John Frankham, fantastic jockey, seems to think that won't be a problem. I would have to take that on board and consider his opinion very seriously because he'd have more idea than me about three mile chase or going to, unless he's just saying it to stir things up. You know, I, I don't yeah, it's it'll go on and on, and I, I can see I can see some trial meetings coming in from the BHA. I, that's the first step, I think. Well, that's mm. that's when we know it's on the table when they'll do an actual hands and heels meeting, uh, where every race is is literally whipless, um, like Monmouth Park did in America, etc. And uh, and have kept it. So, the the is I think it could be a slippery slope. What do you think? Get in touch with us on Twitter and stuff because it's always good for yeah. We have debate on our on our Twitter channels and stuff where we'll answer your questions and and, and, and on a week. Uh, and don't forget to check out John's article on barstewards.co.uk. Uh, just a couple of things to finish with the show. Um, me and John are both unhappy that the Irish uh, drugs raid, um, the tendon doctors. Um, they've not even named the drugs yet that's in question that they've found. And we think this could be a brush under the carpet job, but we're not going to comment until we see further press statements, hopefully coming out in the coming days. But it looks a bit unseedy, like a political scandal, this, John, do you think? Well, I would have liked to have seen. I'd like to have seen some of these arses looked at well. And I mean, it's been the easiest thing in the world to scan them all for tendon damage. Yeah. Just to that's make sure that's why they were but this site, this radio silence from the Irish Auto Racing Authority, I think this this spells volumes. We are, we don't even know what drugs they've found yet. Uh, two weeks here, I mean, like you say, you know, colour coded, colour colour coded. Uh, you know, it's got to have names on the on the on the drugs, surely. Else, what? Do you, how do you know what they are? You know, it's, it's got to have. Yeah. You know, Could be anyway. giving them ration. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, interesting. Um, one final question to finish the show. Quentin Franks, hashtag the road to Doncaster. This is our first of the road to Don- Doncaster series. And Quentin Franks says, who do you have as uh, first, second, third fab for next year's Flat Jockeys Championship? Well, hard to predict the first three, but any clues, John, for next next season's Flat Jockeys? Any 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 tips who could, who could be champion? Well, I think Buick's got to go close again because just... Strength in the stable that he rides for. I think there's every chance O'Sheen could take his foot off the gas a bit next year and he'll, he'll cite the pressure of chasing here, there, and everywhere for the, uh, the well documented problems he's had. So if somebody put a gun to my head and said I had to have a bet on the Jockeys Championship, which is something I absolutely deplore anyway. Absolutely, zero <laughs> interest in the championship. Every year, I play hell about lazy journalists. Because from September onwards, it's all the one I write about. Jockey's championship. I couldn't care less. Um, I would have to have a bet on Tom Markand because he wasn't too far behind the other two, and uh, I think he's riding for the best he had in the country, and he's sure of plenty of winners from there. 
I mean, them three look shoulders above everybody else, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I'm going to call um, an outsider in, in Holly Doyle, but it's on the pro- proviso that she gets the King Power job. Yeah. Um, that Now, King Power will, will give you 40 winners a season. Now, mm. the, 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 that retainer with the Arab owner that with, you know, the, in the green colours, that's not going to get her 40 winners. So mm. she needs to jettison that. Oh, if King Power offer her that job, uh, you know, then gets that's the 40 winners I think she needs as well as her outside rides. And I think I think the BHA are be itching for a, 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 a woman champion jockey. Oh, I love it. No, no question about that. And um, obviously the, the sport as well, to be fair, but it'd be good for the sport, I think. I, 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 if, if Holly Doyle wins the champion jockey, it will make mainstream news, which is kind of what racing wants and needs. Mm-hmm. So, do, you think, do you think she's got a chance of the King Power job? Would I choose it? Probably not. But I'm saying that's what I'd be looking out for because Holly Holly does rack up the numbers. She's a very hard worker, racks up the amount of rides. And I think if she did get the uh, get the King Power, it would make it interesting. Mm. It'd be nice to see Thick Dave get a sniff of it. <laughs> Thick Dave is underrated, as we know. Anyway. John's I'm a Celebrity Preview, give it a shout as well, because that starts tonight. It's full of laughs. John always does a cracking preview on that. That's on the barstewers.co.uk. Yeah, get on the Emmerdale, lad. There's three cracking articles on there. Give them a read, because all three are worthy of, uh, of, of attention. Better than anything you'll read in the Racing Post, all three of them. That's all from me and John. We're back on Friday, hopefully, with uh, Andy. Uh, he's confirmed to me today he's, he's on on Friday, and hope, we're hoping Catherine is back to cover the Irish Irish Bar 1 meeting at Fairhouse on the Sunday as well. That's all from me and John. Have a great week. Bye for now. Right, the show's over, boys. Thank you very much.